0: Christ. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Well, if you've been going here for a while. You know that usually if I don't feel good, I pull up a, a chair and just talk to you for a while, and that's what I'm gonna do today. And the first service, I went a little long, but I, I was I was kind of happy to. So um, I hope to get you out of here at a good time. You can still beat all the Baptists to the local buffet. You know. But I can't promise anything either. Uh, uh, yeah. There may be a few people walking in in a few minutes who didn't set their clocks forward. Just give them a high elbow and tell them, you missed a good worship set. You have to watch online. That was really good worship, by the way. And So give the worship team just a shout out, would you? They did a great job. Good job, worship team. And, and uh, yourselves, too. Thank you for getting up and, and getting, getting here on time and, and plugging in. I love our church. Uh, I just am in awe of what God is doing with and through people in our church. And, and there's a, a certain amount of diversity in our church, and I love to see how people get along And how people just envelop each other in in the love of Christ. And we talk about that an awful lot. And so, thank you for for being who you are in Christ Jesus. Um, We're going to partner briefly. We're going to partner with Hickory Police Department and Thrive It Financial. And we're going to help. um, They're restoring a field in inner city Charlotte, which is not too far away from our Sunny Valley campus. Uh, not Charlotte, Hickory. I said Charlotte, didn't I? You think inner city, you think Charlotte, you don't think Hickory. Yeah, and it's just, I guess the field's in good shape or will be in good shape. We just need to provide equipment. So if you, if you have baseballs or softballs, if you have baseball bats or softball bats, if you have unused baseball gloves, we're gonna have a box in the lobby uh, by next Sunday and you could just bring stuff in. I think for the next month, uh, if you would bring stuff in, uh, <clears throat> baseball, softballs, Gloves, bats, uh, any of that type of nature. We're going to donate it to the uh, Hickory Police Department, who will donate it to the Hickory Park Association, and they'll get that field up and running. And and don't you know that if we can keep young people occupied, it keeps them away from drugs and alcohol and all different other kind of stuff. I mean, think that's a good thing if we we try to help out with with the Hickory Police Department and thriving financial. Uh, and then we'll probably at some point in time take a, a compassion offering for them as well. And, and, you know, we we have people connected in our church that are, uh, we have a college baseball team. I'm going to give Coach a call. Maybe he's got some baseballs, or we have people here that are connected with professional athletes. Maybe they can donate something. I just, I have a heart for that community to begin with, and that's one of the reasons why we do a Bible study down in Sunny Valley on Sundays is just because we want to reach people that Maybe or you know can't make it to church, or or some churches just won't accept. That's that's who we want to be. Uh, I believe grace is for all people, and and not the church. I mean, grace, unmerited favor is for all people. Amen. And so we need to we need to portray that as we do. So uh, I I think that's all I have. That's my announcement for the day. Other than the other stuff that I gave you, and if I think of anything else, I'll give it to you too. Because I'm on drugs, so. Um, <laughs> I always get a kick out of myself. When I'm on these, medicine doesn't, I don't take medicine. So when I do take medicine, even if it's over the counter, it just messes me up. And I don't like to be messed up. And then Janie says, you're kind of mean when you're on medicine. I am. And some of you think I'm mean anyway, so I'm not. I'm a very loving, kind individual. (laughs) Thank you, Marcus, for saying Amen. I got one amen out of that. You should have been all standing applauding. Well, no, it's too late now, sister. Don't don't do it now. Don't do it at my encouragement. <laughs> so we're talking about Jonah, and we're gonna talk about Jonah a couple more weeks. And again, it's this is an oxymoron for me because our second grandson's name is Jonah, and one of the most loving kids you're ever gonna meet. And so we're talking about this Jonah who's a racist bigot and has to have it his way and not God's way and then my little grandson Jonah uh, and so what we're going to read out of the last the last verse of the first chapter and then a couple verses and the start the second chapter and then we're going to drop down to seven to read seven through ten but I'm not going to have you stand today because I'm not going to stand so just kind of chill out for a moment and then I want to parallel it with the scripture in the first in the New Testament because the Old Testament gives us you know, a foundation, and the New Testament allows us to build on it. In the middle of my message today, I want to tell you this, there there will be a place where you may want to take some really good, serious notes, and they'll be up on the board for you to write down. The reason for that is because we're walking through things in our civilization, in our country, that you may or may not know how to handle as a believer in Christ, and you may get challenged on. In that, you'll want to be able to maybe, this might help you uh, in that. And Jonah kind of walks through it, and we'll see our New Testament uh, person walks through it too. So, Jonah, the first chapter, I think it's the 17th verse, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That is representative of Christ. In fact, Jesus even represents or remember, reminds us of what Jonah did uh, when, as he was going to be in the ground three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. Uh, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. This is a guy who's saying this who ran from God, and I think it's a little bit arrogant, and sometimes we have to be careful that our prayers don't become arrogant before the Lord. Uh, Lord, I made it to church on Sunday. Lord, I gave to the building fund. Lord, I did this, and if we're not careful... We we became we become very self righteous in our religious walk, and it's and we're not then following Christ because Christ has to die out daily. So I'm a little messed up by Jonah's prayer, but God hears the prayer anyway, and I'll explain that later. What I have vowed, I will pay. No, he won't. You ran. You're in the, you're in the fish's belly. I just think that's weird, uh, but that may be the medicine. Salvation belongs. To the Lord, and the Lord spoke to. Now, that Lord, all capitalized. That's a tetragrammaton. Uh, that means the Lord's present. There's a there's a presence here of God. Anytime you read the Old Testament, it never happens in the New Testament. But anytime you read the Old Testament, and the word L O R D, Lord, is capitalized. That means there's a presence of gods there, tetragrammaton. So, And the presence of the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out uh, upon the dry land. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. And, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here at Grace Church and in our friends. And, Lord, thank you for, Lord, just our people. Thank you for this community. Lord, now let us take this word and just hide it in our hearts. And, Lord, just meditate on it daily, as your word says. And, Lord, let us do the things that, that you've called us to do. Help us, Father. We love you. We bless you, Jesus, and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. So Jonah is escaping God, being swallowed by a great fish, and then he needs to be—he needs to escape the great fish. We would liken it unto a whale. Probably was a whale. Uh, there's been whales that have been uh, found that are uh, as large or larger than this room, and there's you know three or so hundred people in this room on any given Sunday, and so you can see where a fish. Could swallow a human being. Uh, I don't believe this is a metaphor. I believe this is a true story. And I believe it's true because Jesus talks about it again in the New Testament. That being a true story, then there must be some true examples from it. And if there's true examples from this true story, then there must be true lessons learned. And I think some of the lessons that we need to learn are about Jonah's attitude and what he perceives as being righteous Versus what actually might be righteous. And if we, we look at the righteousness of Christ, and then we start to bow to the righteousness of who God is, we start to see a couple pictures. And one of the pictures we see here is that in and out during these four chapters of the book of Jonah, he, he, he starts to have a pity party. You know, I, I would uh, we'll stop and cough. Come on, then. That was weird. I coughed, and like a, a phone ring or something, or somebody's alarm went off. It was their alarm telling them to get up and get to church, and they haven't they haven't put it forward yet. All right, I'm just saying. So Janie and I spent last weekend with some monks. Yes, <laughs> there you see, goes again, and we were at a monastery. And the monastery that we were at, I'm going to take a little time today. Is that all right if I just take a little time? I'll get, I'll still get you out fairly early, uh, before 2. <laughs> the, I'm born and raised Roman Catholic, so monks, they don't freak me out as much as maybe they did my wife. But my wife was amazing. Like, she went into this deal like, yeah, I just want to learn something. I said, honey, you're going to hate it. I was trying to really paint a really bad picture for her. It's just going to be miserable for you. Sure you want to go? We went another time. We went back in, I think, 2009 or 2010. Uh, but we were going to Colorado. This monastery was outside of Vistas Park. And when I told Jane, dear Lord, would somebody stop that? Or is that just my ears ringing? That's um, okay. Um, my ears ring. and I'm not sure if it's <laughs> okay. So we were in a plane. Uh, going to Colorado, and we were going to go to a monastery, and I told uh, Janie in the plane, because she knew we were going to Colorado, one of her favorite places in all the world, uh, outside of Estes Park. I said, oh, by the way, it, it is a monastery. It's a what? <laughs> I said, yeah, and I'm not sure if they're going to have TV. They're not going to have TV. I said, I don't know if we'll have phone reception. I started to say it real softly, like, I don't know if we're going to have a phone reception. <laughs> she said, what? I said, yeah, never mind. We'll figure out when we get there. And so, we didn't have TV. We didn't have a phone reception. It was a monastery, but there were no monks. Uh, There was Eugene Peterson, uh, who translated into the Message Bible, kind of a modern-day talk, and he was our guide for four or five, maybe five or six days, Uh, he and a pastor friend of ours. Well, that same pastor friend, then, uh, is where we went and hooked up at the monastery. In the monastery, there was actual monks, and the monk that that showed us around, kind of was our tour guide. Uh, his name is Brother Cyprian, really cool guy and really joyful. Now, monks take a vow of celibacy. Monks take a vow of poverty. Monks take a vow of isolation. Uh, uh, they, his only indulgence monthly is uh, once a month he goes to a Dairy Queen in St. Joe's and with like a five dollar gift card buys a a banana split, which that probably isn't going to help him much. In you know I think banana splits are like five sixty nine or five eighty nine now. Uh, well, that, just that alone is the reason why I couldn't be a monk. I mean, no ice cream, that'd be tough. Along with everything else, but I I came back somewhat convicted. I thought. You know, this, I mean, these guys, and and the monastery that was planted in St. Joe, Missouri is out of uh, the order of another monastery that is in Germany. Uh, You got to wrap your head around this for a second. That monastery in Germany has had a monk praying 24-7, 365, not the same one, obviously, but a a different one. (laughs) I want to clarify that because like, wow, are you kidding me? Okay, not the same monk. 24-7, 365 for 900 years. Now, think about that. That's before John Wesley. That's before Martin Luther. That's before Marco Polo. That's before Francis of Assisi. That's before St. Patrick. That's a long time ago, 900 years and this guy was full of joy. I mean, I would be miserable if I could only have ice cream once a month. I haven't had sugar for four days. I'm about ready to rip somebody's head off. I'm really trying to be good and nice. But he did, he was just so full of joy. And I came back, and I, like I told the first service, we, you know, we, like we're not, I'm not selling my house, all right? And our realtor who is, goes to this church and has handled nine of our transactions in the last four and a half years. You heard that right. I told her we're not selling. We're on at least a 10-year plan. We're not, we are not selling. So I'm not convicted, but I'm convicted to the point where, listen, church, if we're waiting for something to have the joy of the Lord, we're waiting for the wrong thing. You can have the joy of the Lord right now, right here in Jesus Christ. In fact, you should have the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah said it was his strength, right? So if the joy of the Lord is our strength, stop waiting for something to take place, that new person, that new house, that new thing, that whatever the case may be. Janie and I have always bought and sold houses. We've never, ever put our things in material goods. We could walk away today from our house if the Lord told us we have before, we could do it again so it's not, but if you're waiting for a person who isn't Jesus or a thing who isn't Christ or you're waiting for something that's not going to happen, amen, are you with me so (laughs) thank you Jason we're going to locate you (laughs) we are going to find you out we've we've got an area spotted (laughs) We have people hovering. (laughs) We're just hoping it goes off one more time. (laughs) Come quickly, dear Jesus. Uh, It's fun to be on medicine sometime. Yeah.
1: When he takes his medicine, it's liquid. He doesn't measure it like you're supposed to measure He just does this for a while. I just thought you'd want to know that.
0: I take from every bottle. If it's in the cabinet, I took some right before I came up here. And I don't think it was time yet. So just, you just stay with me. I, I take it until it works. It ain't working yet, but I feel good. I mean, I feel better. So thank you, honey, for clarifying that. Whoever's got that ringer, shut it off. <laughs> Please, you're disrupting me. I I can't, see, I got to preach when I sit, when I'm sick, because I think on my feet, and it's too hard to think when I'm on medicine, so I got to sit so I can concentrate. You with me? All right. So, so <laughs> let's get into the meat of it. So Jonah is messed up, he's in the bottom of a whale, he's getting vomited out, he's running from God, and yet I wonder if it wasn't, obviously we know, my theology says God knew it was going to happen, my theology says God knew he was going to fail, and he was going to have to cause him to somehow come back, Okay, now that may not be your theology. That is mine, and I think he knew. And then I'm going to go to the New Testament for a moment because we see, I think Jesus kind of confirms my theology a little bit. So let's go to Luke, the 22nd chapter. We're going to read 31 through 34. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers." Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. So, I, I like right here, I don't know if you're like me, I know Jesus is all God and all man, and I don't know that he's hindered or interrupted in his prayers. We know he could have called 10,000 angels when he was on the cross. We know that angels came and ministered to him, but when he sees that that Satan wants to sift Peter like wheat, he doesn't stop Satan. He simply says, I'm going to pray for you. And so I wonder if in this theology that we don't walk through some things sometimes that not God hasn't designed, but that God allows us to walk through so that there's an amount of suffering or conviction or uh, intrepidation or even terror or anxiety that God says, hey, it's okay if they feel that right now. It's going to make them a little bit stronger believer. It's going to make them a little bit better person. And uh, our friend Eugene Peterson, who passed away back in uh, October of 2018, the one we spent time in the monastery with, wrote a book in, in 1985 called Earth and Altar, the Community of Prayer in a Self-Bound Society. I, wrote it, I read it on the plane ride to uh, Kansas City, uh, and it's an easy read. It was a really good read. But there's a chapter in here that uh, talks about pity, I just want to read you the first paragraph because I think Jonah's going through this and Peter kind of goes through it as well. And maybe we look at the word pity a little bit wrong. He says, Pity is one of the noblest emotions available to human beings. We always kind of thought maybe it's, it's bad. Uh, self-pity, though, is possibly the most ignoble. Pity is the capacity to enter into the pain of another in order to do something about it. Self-pity is an incapacity, a crippling emotional disease that severely distorts our perception of reality. Pity discovers the need in others for love and healing and then fashions speech and action that bring strength. Self-pity reduces the universe to a personal wound that is displayed as a proof of, of significance. Pity is adrenaline for acts of mercy. Self-pity is a narcotic that leaves its addicts wasted and derelict. You see, Jonah became self-pitied. He he started to think that even God was against him. He, he wondered what, what things would be like, and yet he was walking in disobedience the whole time. We see Peter later on in life where he had to uh, find himself again in Christ was waiting on the seashore. Sometimes we have to be careful that we don't let our pity for a situation resort into a self-pity where we want everybody else to care about us. And and uh, Some people, you know, uh, everybody has them in their lives. The only time you hear from them is if they need a prayer request or if they need something done. They never ask. It's never reciprocal. That's how you know if it goes from moves from pity to self-pity. Self-pity is something that we should be concerned about and care about. Pity is something that we should have. Maybe we would call it compassion, or maybe we would call it sympathy or empathy for, for someone. And so Jonah is in this way. Peter's getting ready to walk in this way. And it leads me to then this defined moment where we, we talk about what about the fall? And I will say this, that all sin, and you may want to write this down, although it's not up there, all sin is a byproduct of the fall. All sin is a byproduct of the fall. And I think we can agree with that. But I'll reverse it now. Not not all byproducts of the fall are sin, though. So all sin is a byproduct of the fall, but not all byproduct of the sin from the fall is sin. What do I mean by that? Well, I mowed my grass yesterday, and uh, I noticed a couple dandelions in it, and and, uh, I thought, "That, that Adam, stupid Adam, I know I shouldn't say stupid, it was it's a, it was a result of sin. It, a result of the fall. It's not sin. My yard's not sinning. Is this this is something that that Adam or that God prophesied would take place? There would be thorns and thistles and weeds. And if you sweated this week on your job, that was part of uh, that's part of the fall. That's not sin. You do not sin. You don't have sin in your life. That's part of what's taking place. And I say that to say this because we start to walk in different cultures there's an eastern culture and a western culture and if we walk in these cultures the western culture of which we are part of becomes a little bit more instantaneous we want instant gratification we want things that are like here and now we want it we want it today and you know my stories with the the fast food, drive-through lines. I I don't like waiting unless it's a special order. I do not pull over. In fact, Janie won't even drive through with me anymore. We always go in. I, we went to get a cup of coffee today, and she said, I ain't driving through. We're going in. It's, okay, well, I'm not sure if that was because she didn't want to be in the drive-thru with me or not, but my point is we're used to things, and we're used to things right now, okay? So, I want to give you a couple things about the Eastern and the Western culture and what Jesus is in those cultures, because we have to understand. Now, listen, there it's not an either-or. I want to say that ahead of time. It's not an either-or. It's a both-and. Both-and of these work really good but they work better together. And if we understand that some things are a cause of the fall that may or may not be sin, but it's a byproduct, then we have to start culturalizing ourselves a little bit better and maybe our church a little bit better to recognize that if you're chasing after Jesus, we're all on the same page. We're on the same team. There's There are some things that, yes, maybe we need to get through together, but you'll see this as we go. So, uh, the Eastern culture sees Jesus as a physician or a doctor. The Western culture sees Jesus as an attorney or an advocate, both very scriptural, and I'll end with the scripture on this, both very factual, both very like, okay, this is really good, but the attorney advocate, uh, usually that decision's going to be final, okay? So, we'll, we'll go through that. So, the Eastern culture is more theological. The Western culture is more contemporary. Revivalists in America really take place with you know uh, John Wesley and and uh, and and some of those guys that came through in the 1800s uh, through the Moravians, and so we, we started having revival revivalization in America. Other before that, it was very liturgical, okay, so our contemporary style church is very contemporary, like in the last couple hundred years. That's important to know because sometimes as a church, when I say the church, the church in America, especially evangelical churches, we kind of think we're there and nobody else is. I, I need you to know that there's a lot of people that are searching for there, and we should be one of those, okay? So there is this relationship with God that we should pursue every day there is this relationship through jesus christ and the power of the holy spirit that we should share excuse me with people every day so if we're in pursuit of god and we're in pursuit of this relationship with christ we're christ followers Yes salvation I still believe is instantaneous. If you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, I believe you're saved. Now, I also believe though that the work starts then. The work's not over there. The work has just only begun there. So, the uh, the Eastern culture believes or sees sin as an ailment. The Western culture sees sin as an offense, okay? So, I had recently gotten a, a speeding ticket. I don't like talking about that. I've been really good. I've only gotten one speeding ticket in this, in this since we've been here. And I used to get about three a year back in our previous pastorate. Now I've gotten just, this is the second one in 12 years. I think that's pretty good. I know some of you have never gotten a speeding ticket and I'm the guy honking behind you uh, because you've never gotten a speeding ticket. So I'm, I'm trying to be better there too. But once I go and pay that my offense is pardoned, okay? It, it's a done deal. So I have a, I have a sin, it's an offense. But when we're sick, if we go to the doctor or maybe we break an arm or we hurt a knee or our back goes out, we need a healer. We need a physician. And so I want to throw this out to you as I go over these next couple things. You, I want you to look at not... Uh, physical healing, but a healing of sin, if you will, versus instantaneous success over that sin. Western culture would say, you need immediate relief of that sin. You, you don't have to sin no more. No, you don't have to sin no more. I, I, I agree with that 100%. The sin in your life, though, makes, may take some time to heal because the sin in your life may not be orchestrated by you originally. <clears throat> say you got abused when you were younger. Say so you've been a part of bad relationships. Say so you had bad business dealings. Say someone cheated you. Say someone slandered you. It's their sin, but you may have the result of that sin for quite some time that you have to be healed over. Are you with me? So the next one, sin as needs a healer. Uh, in the Eastern culture, Western culture, sin needs a pardon. Uh, sin needs a doctor, healer, grace. Uh, in the Eastern, Western, uh, sin needs an attorney, advocate. Let's go to the very next one. Sin needs is a process. I'm sorry, healing is a process in the Eastern culture. Pardon is immediate in the Western culture. Now, here's where the two kind of meet the road. When you look at people, and maybe you've been a believer for quite some time, or maybe you've been a Christ follower for quite some time, or maybe you're new to Christianity, and I know that when I first gave my heart to the Lord, Uh, There were people in my circle, my sphere of influence, that kind of demanded of me to give up certain things right away, and I needed to be changed like right that. God changes you. God changes you from the inside out, okay? He doesn't change you from the outside in so that it makes everybody else's life easier. In fact, he gives us the church so that we can help each other through discipleship, so we can help each other through healing. I'll give you an idea. Jesus excuse me, heals Lazarus, or he doesn't, yeah, he he heals Lazarus by saying, Lazarus, come forth, okay? That In the Western culture would be he pardoned them, offense is over, done deal. But then he looks at Mary and Martha and the other standing by and says, now you unloose him, set him free. So we see there that both things take place. The first one is there's the pardon. And the second thing there is the process. So every pardon mostly will have a process that goes with it. If your sin has been pardoned, chances are there's going to be a process. The process could be discipleship. The process could be praying. The process could be worshiping. The process could be any number of things. The process could be uh, where you are just being mentored by somebody through this. And so we in the Western culture and civilization. We want things to be immediate. Like we want you to be set free. And we, want, and we do. And Janie spoke of it here. I believe you could be set free. Whom the sun sets free is what? Free indeed. You're free. You're free. But it's up to the culture of the church to help you be healed from that situation. And this is a really big sticking point, and it's critical for all of us to know it. And you may say, Pastor, I don't agree with that. I would ask that you just pray into it a little bit, okay? Because both of them, again, are, are, are scriptural. I'll give you some reference here in a second. And so the next one is there's soul health from the Eastern culture. There's soul requirement from the Western culture. Again, both, both are necessary. My soul requires an advocate named Jesus Christ for the pardoning of my sin. Boom, done deal. But my my soul also requires to be healed. My spirit needs to be healed. Maybe there's some garbage in the past. Maybe there's some garbage in the present. Maybe there might even run into some garbage in the future that Jesus knows I need a group of people around me. This is why James, Jesus' brother, said, "...confess your faults one to another so that you will be healed." There's, there, you need to have people around you that you can talk to back and forth and say, man, I just need somebody that can lean on for a second because I'm going through you know depression or I'm going through, it doesn't even have to be sin, it can just be something that weakens you. The writer of Hebrews said, get, away, get rid of what? The sin and the weights that so easily beset us. So there, there could be pressures of life that you just have to get rid of that will slow you down as a Christ follower. So if we understand the Eastern versus the Western culture Western culture being newer, and sometimes because it's newer, we think it's better, okay? Uh, a new church opens in town, must be better. A new store opens to town, must be better. A new uh, a jazz exercise class opens in town, must be better. I got somebody's attention there. So, that, that newer doesn't always mean better, right? Are you with me? Are you awake? Say, yes, pastor. So, I'm about to take another shot of medicine, get this thing rolling. So... <clears throat> Newer is not always better. So if we go back and understand the healing part because of the fall, and we understand that some people just need to be healed. And by the way, they may take until Jesus comes back or they go meet Jesus for that thing to be totally healed. They may never understand full healing. Why do some people die of cancer and some don't? It's not lack of faith. My father died of pancreatic cancer, and he was old. He was 90. He was, he was getting there, all right? But he, he died of cancer. In fact, that's what they put down, died of pancreatic cancer, okay? Listen, uh, he, he had faith. He went to church every day at 6 o'clock. Oh, yeah, it's Catholic faith. I, I don't know too many believers that go to church 6 o'clock every morning. I don't know many people that pray at 6 o'clock every morning. And so I, I, I'm, I'm beyond that, okay? I'm beyond the, the fact that, well, we're better because we're baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Shame on us for misusing the power of the Holy Spirit. Shame on us for for saying, for for letting the monks pray for 900 years, and we still have a couple of open spaces over there asking us to pray one day a month for 24 hours. All right? I mean, can we get it by now? Can Can we stop with the Western culture and at least look at the Eastern culture and say, wow, maybe they really do understand a different form of who Jesus is. Jesus is the healer. And maybe, just like God knew Jonah was going to go through something, and Jesus knew Peter was going to go through something, maybe the Lord just allows us sometimes to go through some stuff because he, he wants us to understand both sides of Christ, okay? The atoner and also the healer right the forgiver but also the one who's righteous and so then the the last but but not least is forgiveness and righteousness and then we'll we'll go through some scriptures so you understand New testament wise that there's scripture for both for both of these cases then we'll wrap up here in a minute first Peter 2 and 24 and John 8 and 36 say by his stripes we were healed quoting out of Isaiah the 53rd chapter that you will be healed you are healed so now we were it's past tense but now again if you are in the medical field. If I, our, our daughter-in-law, Charity, is a physician's assistant, so she's got the highest requirement of uh, of medicine without being an actual doctor, and she would she would know, so she could write prescriptions and all those things. If I went to Charity and said, "Hey, I I've got a cold. I'm not feeling really good. Uh, could you could you take care of it?" And if I walked out of there, okay, not whole. Has she failed? No. Am I? Have I lacked faith? No. It's healing is a process. Are you with me? Okay. But if I go to uh, Justin, who's an attorney, and I say, "Hey, can you handle this legal matter?" and he goes to court for me and he says, "It's taken care of, Pastor Mark. It's done. It's it, that that that's been pardoned, or he's been ad- he advocated for me. It's a done deal." So it's both and. There's right on both of them. It's not an either or. So we have to understand that there's kind of two sides to Jesus here, and sometimes, sometimes grace the church only looks at the Western side. Like if you're not healed already, dear Lord, there must be something wrong with your faith. That's not necessarily the case. There are good, strong believers that get in car accidents. There are good, strong believers that die of cancer. There are good, strong believers that, that, that have a mental error or a mistake and something goes wrong and they wish they wouldn't have done that, okay? There are good, strong believers. That's why Jesus is also the healer because he's not always gonna take care of everything just like that, by his stripes we were healed. And then John eight thirty six says, "Whom the Son sets free is free indeed." We talked about that earlier. So, getting back into my story on Jonah and getting to my story on Peter, we understand more than likely that quite possibly, that they were right where God either knew they would be or where God wanted them to be. And so Jesus, for whatever reason, knew that he was going to, uh, that was going to happen to Peter. But then he says in verse number 32, let's put 32 up there. But I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith may not fail. And Peter, when you have turned again strengthen your brothers. In other words, when you have come back, when you have repented, when you've come back to the fold. So when Jonah comes back, he goes and preaches and repentance takes place. Now when Peter comes back from repentance, so it's the same thing, just a little bit different. One's Eastern, one's Western, one's Jonah has got to repent, then he's going to lead people to salvation. Here, Peter's going to repent and he's going to be the stronghold in in people's salvation. He's going to preach. And so we understand that maybe some of the things that we're going through might be exactly where God wants us. I'll give you a story then we'll we'll close and I'm, I'm keeping you a little longer today so please bear with us but we're really an hour earlier than we would have been last week right so Janie's grandfather is a person I always looked up to is super just a wonderful wonderful man and her grandmother passed away before I came around probably maybe three or four years before I got to know uh, Janie. And, and Jesse and Merle were their names. Jesse Sr. And a lot of you know Je- uh, Jess Jr. That's Janie's father. Uh, he, he, he's he been down here before and he, he'll be coming down again this summer. Uh, so uh, when we were up in Missouri visiting the monastery, we went up and saw uh, Cam for his birthday. And we also saw then uh, Janie's mom and dad. Uh, and so. Jess was telling me the story about his father. And he, he's at that age now where he kind of likes to reminisce. And so uh, this, is a really, this is a really good thought. I want you to hang on to it for a second. And so he was telling me about his father. And Jess and Pat have a real modest home in the Council Bluffs, Iowa. It's very nice, very decorated. And by the way, Jenny's mom, is, cancer's full remission. She's planting gardens and cleaning basements. And she's 81. And she's like, she's a powerhouse she she could outwork most forty year old men I think, and so it's she's she really is she's just flat out amazing well uh janie was was uh working on her mother's uh, hair and and some issues there. So, Jess was telling me a story about his mom and dad. He said, you know, my mom and dad lived in a house real similar to this mark in Kansas City, Missouri, his house. And uh, he said, you know, uh, my dad had the house paid for, so he sold the house. He wanted to buy an acreage, not big acreage, maybe five or six acres. So, he found a spot outside of Kansas City about a couple hours near Clinton, Missouri. And uh, on the property, there was a creek that ran through it. It was just a beautiful piece of property, but the um, house had flooded so many times that the floors were literally just dirt and it wasn 't in a good spot. The creek had overrose but but uh, he had surprised his wife, Jesse did with Merle with the house and so he packed up all the kids there was five kids at the time they had twins later on, so there were seven kids and by the way had uh, <laughs> You'd have to really know the family, but the four boys in the family were as Andre as can be. It was Bill, Jess, Les, and Dave, and they were, they were just mean. They, they would go to, this is a true story, they would go to Yellowstone Park, and the park ranger would show up at the tent and say, are you Jordan? And uh, their dad would say, yeah, this, we're Jordan. She said, uh, we're going to have to ask you to leave the park. And he said, well, how come? He said, well, your boys are, were, were chasing the bears up the trees. The bears weren't chasing the boys. The boys were chasing the bears. And so they had they had to leave Yellowstone National Park because they were so hungry. And so this is the type of family that they have. And so the five kids were running around the yard. And when they got to the new place, uh, Merle wouldn't get out of the car. And it was, she, I ain't, I'm not putting my stuff in that house, Jesse. There's no way. And so Jesse was just distraught. He was maybe 30 years old or so. And he'd walk down to the creek and he thought he missed God. He just was praying and and just he was just he was heart wrenched He was his heart was broken. He didn't want to he didn't want to let down his wife. They left a good home in Kansas City. They paid cash for this. He wanted to start a new life and be blessed. He wanted the kids out in the country wanted them to be able to run around. And so he prayed down at the creek for quite some time. The kids were running around. And Merle said she wouldn't get out of the car. And all of a sudden he heard some singing in the background. And uh, so he stopped for a moment, stopped his prayer. And, praying, and, and uh, he walked up the embankment from the creek, and the singing got a little louder and got a little louder, and, and uh, he, by the time he, he got to the door, it was Merle, his wife, was singing inside the house, and she sweeping dust, making just a big dust storm, just moving dirt around, and uh, he said, Merle, what are you doing? I thought you hated this place. I, I, I was just convinced that I needed to sell it and move back to Kansas City, and, and she said, oh, Jesse, the... The, the, Lord, the Lord gave me a word. The Lord changed my heart, gave me a word. And uh, she, she said, uh, he said, well, well, what is it, Jesse? What, or what, Merle, what did the Lord give you? She, and Merle stopped and with tears running down her face, she said, Jesse, God said, I got you right where I want you. And I would say that to you today as we get ready to close. Maybe you're going through something. Maybe it's a broken relationship, or maybe it's bad finances, or maybe it's something regarding the fall that you just can't get over, or maybe it's a church person not willing to walk you through healing. Maybe it's something you've dealt with for years and years and years and years. Maybe God has you right where he wants you. Maybe it's one of those things in your life where you, you you've had to you've had to hear and you had to know that 30 Jesse started selling insurance, him and his two brothers. He got his two brothers two of his brothers involved, Sam and Ed. And at forty he sold his insurance business to go into ministry. From forty to seventy eight he pastored a church. And he lived off the residuals of that insurance business while he was pastoring for 38 years. And at 78, he sold everything. Then he moved to Kenya, lived there for 18 months until he got malaria and bed sores and they had to ship him back on a hospital uh, plane. And he got well and then he went back to Trinidad and Tobago and ministered there for over a year came back and died. So 10 years of his life provided income for the next 45 or 46 years of his life. And the reason I say that story is, Murrow getting the word, I, got, I have you right where I want you, is that's where he learned the insurance business. Had he never moved there, he wouldn't have learned the insurance business. And his two brothers whom he gave over the insurance business to, they both became multimillionaires by selling uh, the insurance. Now, I don't know if you'll become a multimillionaire, but I do know this, that if you're right where God wants you that might mean that he has a blessing in store for you when this thing's all over with that if you walk through like Jonah did if you walk through like Peter did if you walk through like I know you can that there's not ever a bad day there's just some days that are better and like my monk friend brother Cyprian when we visited last week he had so much joy he had nothing but he had so much joy so the joy of the Lord truly is our strength. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me right where you're at this morning. And I want you just to consider your life. And maybe you're here. Maybe you're going through some stuff. We all go through some stuff. Maybe you're here, and you're on top of the mountain. And maybe that's just, man, maybe that's just where God wants you. Maybe that's where God has you. But, like, maybe some of us, you're dealing with a battle or a struggle or something in your life. I'm going to say over one more time. Maybe God has you right where he wants you because he knows the end from the beginning. He calls you complete, even though we're not. Let's only pray for you. If you're comfortable doing so, just raise your hands up. We're going to end with a song. And again, I apologize for keeping you a little longer today. But I felt like that word was necessary, that we need to see the whole Jesus. We need to see Jesus as healer. We need to see Jesus as advocate. We need to see Jesus as doctor. We need to see him as lawyer. So, Father, I pray right now for our friends here at Grace. Lord, and and those that might be going through something. Lord, that you have them right where you would want them. I pray you'd give them that assurance today. Give them the assurance to know that, Father, in Jesus' name, it's all going to work out in the end. Everything's going to be okay. Lord, walk by faith and not by sight, Father. So I pray you release faith here today, God. Lord, knowing that there, that you have them in your loving arms, your loving hands, Father Lord, and you care for them. And I pray, God, if it needs, if you need to send ministering spirits, angels, if you need to send the Holy Spirit, Lord, to minister to them, to give them a word, Father Lord, a, a word, just Father Lord, that you that you have for them, Lord, during this season, during this time, Lord, that you have them wherever you want them. In Jesus'
1: circumstances that we've had to go to 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 get to the place where maybe you are maybe a promotion that came up that you say I should have had that God knew the end of that story that may have taken you a place that you weren't supposed to go or whatever that circumstance is you you just put it there and just trust it just comes down to trust God you got this and that was a word y'all know that I got back in December God has this, and that was a word that I got. God's got this, and I got up, wiped my tears, and said, God's got this, and I felt total assurance that God's got this because if he gives you a word, he will follow through every time, just like in this story. God has it. God has your word. You're supposed to be in. Confirmation came from all over. People were coming up with notes. They had no idea I had the word. Hey, this is something God told me to give you. and written down before I'd even spoken my word god's got this so we got that from all over so in your circumstance today look at your place and just know that you're just where god wants you or needs you to be right now because he's taking you from this place to this place and like pastor says sometimes it's a process it's not always overnight it's a process and it comes into trust just to say god i trust you i may not understand but I know you got this and I know you're taking me through this. Uh, It's not my job to worry about it. It's my job just to say I trust you and I'm right where you want me to be. Amen. So Father, we love you and we thank you so much that you are so good. We thank you for the amazing word today. We ask that it would just resonate into our spirits and our hearts and we would just think on it and that Lord, we would um, grow in you every day lord i thank you for each person i pray you watch over them protect them keep them safe keep them from harm any sickness we just declare that you are the healer and we receive that over all circumstances lord we pray for our pastor as it's his birthday tomorrow we just pray you bless him and lord you just heal him so he doesn't have to take medicine and he can be who you've made him to be in jesus name amen love you all so much get your ice cream and have a blessed day Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv slash give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.